Where's a good station? Glory. Glory. Amen. Guardians of Grace. What's wrong? Welcome to the Guardians of Grace podcast. Relax. You have found the right place. We're here to serve. Join us. Holding to pure grace. Again, relax. Join in with us. Listen on. Be blessed. Fenders of Grace. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Guardians of Grace podcast. My name's Bill, and I'm here with my old buddy, longtime buddy, Grace Guard Dog Steve. Hey, everybody. So glad to be here. I love this podcast. That's all I got to say is I, I love being a part of this podcast. Love you guys and look forward to what God is going to say tonight. I do too. And it tell you what, it is producing fruit. I ran into a guy that says he likes what we're doing. I told him, he said that was one of the worst web pages he's ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I but knew you that know was what coming. He, <laughs> but guess what he said? He's a Christian. And I told him our web page is, is like a ministry. And he said, I'll fix it. Amen. And I said, I, I don't think we can afford it. We don't have any money, no budget. He said, I'll fix it for free. Amen. Thank you, sir. Lord. Thank you, Lord. You see, that, that is proof positive that God is going to bless this ministry is going to have the hearts of the people that we meet. He is going to work in people in the Guardians of Grace, guard dogs, both to will and to do his good pleasure. Really let you relax, you know? Mm-hmm. And just say, I'm going to get up today, I'm going to live my life, and I'm going to look for opportunities for his light to shine yes. through us. Yes. Manifest. And just that one guy, by saying that, just gave us so much hope. Just an out-of-the-blue thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, I tell you what, guard dog Steve, we've been on this subject of manifesting. The new covenant concept. And we came into some not-so-familiar interpretations of passages. I hate that word, interpretation. It sounds like that's the way I see it. And I don't mean it that way. I'm meaning when you, when we actually took a look at the Greek words like the book of the life of the Lamb instead of how it just reads in the English, the Lamb's book of life, you see what it really means. It, it's a book about the life of Jesus. Remember, just to review, the life of Jesus was revealed and could only be opened up and revealed in, in Revelation chapter 4 when he realized, when he turned around and said, who can open the book? And he said, the lion from the tribe of Judah is able to. And he looked and he saw a little lamb. So his death on the cross makes it possible for the, his life to manifest itself in us. 
all based on his death, what he did. Died like a lamb. Yeah, he took the sacrifice, paid the penalty for the sin and all the sin, acts of sins that we would ever do for our whole life. Yes. And death was uh, swallowed up on the cross. Victory. And so now, when he did that, he sanctified us or made us ready. Made us ready for his life to manifest through us. Yes. And tonight, if we get a chance, we I think we can have a whole new way of looking at trials that we go through as opportunities to manifest his life. These trials are sometimes referred to as seasons. And I think we know from like Psalm 30. Two, maybe it's 33, our times, our seasons are in his hands. And it's these times that get us to the end of ourselves and we look to what is unseen. Which is namely Christ in us, the hope of glory. Yes. We look and we depend on that, the invisible guy. Can I just read a little bit? Yes. We were talking about 2 Corinthians 3, the living letter. So let me just read maybe the first three verses. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm reading from the NIV. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Or do we need, like some people, letters of recommendation to you or from you? Verse 2. You yourselves are our letter written on our hearts, known and read by all people. Verse 3, you show that you are a letter from Christ, the result of our ministry, written not with the ink, but with the spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human hearts. Do you realize in my version of the Bible, it actually says, being manifested that you are letters of Christ. It's being manifested that we are letters of Christ. That's literally the the word that is the subject that we're on. And been on. And been on. We'll be on. Yes. It is the word manifest. It is the Greek word phanaru. Exactly. I know I don't pronounce it right. It's a word that's used 45 times in the epistles. So it's kind of a big deal maybe it's replete (laughs) (laughs) steve's up on me with the power words yes it is the you show yourself to be a living letter written for the manifestation of his life that's awesome let me just go ahead and read four five and six because it'll make more sense okay so he's saying we don't really need letters from people saying These guys are good. (laughs) A set of credentials. Yeah, we don't need a set of credentials. We don't need a a recommendation. Those guys are, are good. They're legit. You can listen to them. He says, no, you are our letters. His life shines through you, which is the adjective for Fanaru, shine. His life shines through you, and you demonstrate that you are actually a letter of commendation, a letter promoting the life of Christ, and that you're known and read by all men. People are reading you like a letter. Tell me what that means. It means that 
when people see you, you carry about you the life of Christ that is so utterly outside of you that people see God. People see the invisible God in you. And God is the Word. Jesus said, I'm the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. People see you when you're manifesting Jesus. They see you as, which this passage bears out, they see you as an epistle. Yeah. One of the letters in the Bible. Part of a big book. Yes. It's so so much that you're a living letter that people see that you're you carry around the perfect life of Christ. What I'm trying to say is re- remember when Adam was created, he was created in the image of God. He was created in the presence of God. He was created to manifest God. That's his perfect purpose for creation was to manifest the life of God. Oh, Bill, I got to interrupt you, man. You're just just nailing it. You're blowing my mind because in Romans 1, that's exactly what it's saying. It's saying because that which is known about God is evident with in them within them talking about the creation yes bill because it goes on to say god has made it evidence to the creation in other words it says because that which is known about god is evident within them we're talking about the creation the the people of god is evident within them for god made it evident to them for since the creation of the world his invisible attributes his eternal power and his divine nature has been clearly seen being understood through what has been made so that they're without excuse in other words it's clearly seen that God's invisible attributes are in us. If we get the concept of manifesting, which is the new covenant, he was entered in us. We were born again. We've got the spirit of Jesus living in us, and he's manifesting himself. And it's evident within us because we can see it going on if you understand this new covenant that we're in, that God manifests himself through you. So when you see somebody lay some love on somebody else and treat them with kindness and help them, then it should be dawning on you by now that it's evident that that is God working through the person. God's goodness God's goodness working through the person. I need to say that again. His divine attributes working through the person. He did that to all people. So none of us are without excuse. And I do believe that word clearly seen. Yes. Is one of the 45 epistles, epistolic uses of the word manifest. Which is the Greek word 
Fanaroo. Fanaroo. Clearly and seen. It, and it is because... Shining apparent. I, I remember it. That, yeah. that it was. That Fanaroo was the word. In other words, it was... His divine power was manifest to them. I don't know why these Bibles try and change the words, but Fanaroo should be manifest. Every time. And it's also... What's also manifest is the imperfection of Adam is clearly seen. Clearly seen. And you have to have those two manifestations because then you know this is the life I always wanted. This is the life of the life of Christ that I've always wanted. Yeah. And these manifestations that are supposed to be so clearly seen are actually invisible. But through your spiritual eyes and your spiritual ears and your spiritual mind, the the mind of Christ within you can tell what a spiritual thought expressed in a spiritual word is when you understand that Jesus only talks like one way. He edifies. He builds you up. He talks about love. He loves on people. When you see those things happening through a person, it's supposed to be just like it's visible, that you see God. You remember Jesus saying, Peter, I think it was, have I been with you so long? You don't know that if you've seen me, you've seen God. Well, God is invisible, but they say you can see him because of the works that Jesus was doing, because of the kindness that Jesus was showing people, those were manifestations of God. And Jesus could rightly say, if you've seen me do all these good things, you've seen God do all these good things. It is God in us who works in us to will and do his good pleasure. All the glory goes to God for doing what he does through us. And that is all invisible. It's a divine nature that's invisible. Same with the nature of Adam. When you're expressing the nature of Adam, that's also invisible, but you can see it. Oh, and and we're going to get it just so cleared up. Let me just go back to chapter 3, and I'll pick it up where we left off in verse 4. Remember, he talks about you are a living letter manifested being clearly seen to be the attributes of God. Yes. Speaking in a certain way, a loving way, you're showing that. You're a letter from Christ. Verse 4, such confidence we have by means of Christ before God, not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but it is the spirit that gives life. Doesn't it say, but our adequacy is ek, God, out of God? It does. Yeah. Amen. I, man, I, I knew I remembered that. Yeah. It He's what makes us confident. This the, confidence, he goes on to say in verse 7, I hate to pick on Moses here, but it says, Now if the ministry that brought death, that was the law, 
which was engraved in letters of stone, that was the law, came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of its glory, transitory though it was, or fading as it was. We know it's the law. We know it's the Ten Commandments because it's the only thing that was ever written on tablets of stone. It was also one of the temptations that Jesus had to go through, the same temptation Adam had to go through, but Jesus came through it with flying colors. Remember, he said, if you are the son of God like Adam, Mm -hmm. turn these stones to bread. Make these Ten Commandments your life. Live by the law. Oh, I never saw that. Oh, my gosh. Adam took the bait. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but by every rhema word of the Father. Meaning that your humanity, your edemic nature, your bios body eats the bread. But your divine nature, this thing that's invisible that you can see, it's invisible, but you can see it because you see the actions it makes. It lives on the word of God. That's where it gets its life. Yes. And remember that the serpent said, if you are the son of God, you can eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was the Ten Commandments, the, the law, and you can be like God without God. But Jesus didn't say that. I remember in John, I think it's five, maybe four, he says, I only I can only do. Sorry. I can only do what I see the Father doing. Meaning what? I can't be like God. I can't bear his image without him. I can't bear his image independent of him. I can only do what I see him doing. There's no self-will involved there. No. Just like we depend on God, Jesus was teaching us that he depends on God to do it through him. He was the model for us to imitate. Remember where it says imitate Jesus? Rely on God is imitating Jesus. Yes. And if you can only do what you see God doing, there's no possibility you can sin. That's true. Remember, sin was doing what God does without God. And when you do what God does without God, you miss the mark every time. No matter how hard you're trying to do it, you're trying to live the model Christian life and you're missing the mark. We don't need a WWJD bracelet. We need to have a I can only do what I see God doing bracelet. Yeah, I can only do what I see God. And that's manifesting himself. Yes. Is it beginning to to paint a picture? Is it beginning to come clear what this New Testament is talking about? These verses in the epistles that are so, seem to be so abstract and meaningless. They just don't register any meaning. Are they beginning to register meaning as we understand that they're actually talking about manifesting the life of God, that you are a vessel and Christ lives in you and through you he ministers 
to the people around you? Is it beginning to come into focus? Because a lot of these abstract verses that were so hard to understand, that's what they're talking about. They become easy to understand when you're thinking in the new covenant way through the lens of the new covenant way, through the lens of this is my way of life in Christ Jesus that I teach everywhere in every church. If that's been taught to you and you're looking at these scriptures through that lens, that Christ in you, the hope of glory, lives in you and ministers to the people around you, then a lot of these passages will become clear. Like this one. I'm moving on into chapter 4. It says we, verse 10, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. I had no idea what that meant for the longest time. So what does it mean that we're always carrying around in our body the death of Jesus? When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to forgive you from your past, Steve. He died to forgive you for your whole life. Amen. That's good news. It is good news because you you cannot manifest the life of Christ with a sin conscience, mm. can you? No, no, no. That's death. <laughs> That's death. You can't manifest life through death. You have to realize the gospel has taken care of your sin debt, and you are cool with God. We're always caring about us the death of Christ. Yes. We're remembering. We're mm-hmm. never forgetting what he did for us. Like when Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Take the bread and eat. Yes, he did. He was the sacrificial lamb that he's to remind us about. I took care of your sin debt. Do this in memory of that fact. Eat the bread in memory of the fact that I took care of your past, present, and future sin debt. The slate is clean, and now you are a vessel made ready to manifest the life of Christ. And now he's going to start talking about trials that come about. He talked about a lot of trials in his life. We go through trials, and trials are these events, seasons, as as it's sometimes called, seasons in our life where it's impossible for us to survive that season unless we have the life of Christ ministering to us and ministering through us. So like the Psalm says, 33 or 34, his times, these seasons are in his hands. He orchestrates them. And they're opportunities for us to depend on the life of Christ manifesting through us. So he says here, let me read this. So when these trials come, in verse 16, he says, we don't lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly, in our spirit, we are being renewed day by day. Verse 17, for our light and momentary troubles are, are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Verse 18, So we fix our eyes 
not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Now that statement on the surface, we look upon what's unseen. We yeah. look upon what's unseen, but we, we do don't see Christians. what's unseen. But we, we do as Christians. That's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, like Jesus said, have I been with you so, for so long? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. They were invisible. The Father was invisible, but he says you can see him because you can see the divine nature, just like the Romans once said, that divine nature was in the creation and they could clearly see it and they were without excuse. Absolutely. So it says we look upon what is unseen and not what is seen. And it says what is seen is temporary. The word is actually keros, which is the Greek word for seasons. They are a season. They're just a momentary season. And they're an opportunity to manifest his life. But we don't look upon what is seen, the trial, but what is unseen, which is the manifestation of his life. The Greek word there for we look upon is skopos. We get our word scope, scope. We also get the word skeptic. Skeptic is always seen as a negative word, but a skeptic is someone that analyzes something, looks at it with a skeptic's point of view and says, hmm, what's behind this? So it says we, we look upon what is unseen. What is unseen is eternal, meaning it's a season is a, a section of time and they come and go. But what is unseen is outside of time. And what is unseen? God is unseen. So we're scoping out, we're being skeptical, we're analyzing the life of God in the trial. That's what gets us through the trial, and that's what we're looking at his life manifesting in us. It reminds me of Psalm 1, where David is saying, he starts out, the blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the way of sinner, or seat, sit in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on that law he meditates day and night. Now, better way to understand that word law of the Lord is, is actually, I've had a few Hebrew scholars that said it, it really should be rendered teaching. The teaching of the Lord. Now, the Lord there is that capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which is the I am, the name of God. His delight is in the teaching of the I am. The I am is not I was or I is. It's I am. It's an eternal God. It's also unseen. So when we don't look upon what is seen, the trial, we look at what is unseen, the I am, in the trial, carrying us through the trial. And David goes on to say that when we 
he he delights in the teaching of the the I am this this idea that the eternal God is manifesting through us. He says that man is blessed in all he does, and it said he shall be like a tree planted by the water. The word of God doesn't it say bearing fruit in its season? I believe so. <laughs> The season, he just described it as a trial. And it's bear, th- this trial is bearing the fruit of the Spirit. You're going through something. Paul was going through something. But we don't focus on the trial. We focus on the I am. That's what it means to say we look upon what is eternal. What is not seen is eternal. The I am. And we wait for manifestations of the I am. When I'm weak in a trial, the I am is strong. Remember, the the first thing said to Abraham was, fear not. It says, the word of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, came to Abraham in a vision and said, fear not, do not fear. Obviously, Abraham was afraid. And the I am said, do not fear. I am your shield. What else did he say? I'm your shield and your, your reward. great reward. Most invisible things to Abraham. He Abraham didn't even know he was protected in the army and the uh, battle he just uh, fought through to get rescue Lot. He didn't even know it. He, so the I am tells him, I am your shield. I'm the one that protected you. David looked at the teachings of the I am. Same David that in Psalm 1 says his delight is in the teachings of the I am, the eternal God manifesting through us. Remember in 1 Kings, is it 15, I think it is, where it might be 17, where Goliath is taunting them. Now this is a trial and Israel is going through a season, and Saul had his, what was Saul looking at? The unseen or the seen? He was looking at the seen. What was David looking at? The I am. And the reason we know he was looking at the I am was the testimony. He said, what what, what will you give the man that takes down this giant? And he says, you're just a boy. David says something really amazing. He says, I've been a shepherd over my father's sheep, and there was a time when a bear attacked one of my sheep. And David says, I went over and snatched that lamb out of the mouth of the bear and then killed him, slayed him with my bare hands. And then it says, and then there was also a lion that attacked one of my sheep. And I went over then and took the lamb back from the lion's mouth and I killed the lion with his bare hands. Therefore, He says, I'm going to take down this giant. Because what was his focus on the unseen, the I am, the eternal God? Doesn't that make more sense? We don't scope out what is seen, the trial, but what is unseen, the eternal God. For what is seen is seasonal it's a, just a season it's a temporary thing but what is unseen is eternal outside of time unchanging so to speak isn't that exactly what it was saying in Romans 1 
that which is known about God is evident within them. Since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes and eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. (laughs) Okay, it just said it's invisible, but it's clearly Clearly seen. seen. You see, what we're talking about is not nonsense. It's a biblical idea. You see the manifestations of the invisible God when you're seeing love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control. You are seeing God through the person. Isn't that the same thing First John 4 talks about? It's exactly the same. Go ahead and can you do First John 4? Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's look at First John chapter 4. Let's say starting in verse 9. By this, the love of God is manifest in us, that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. The invisible spirit may live through us. We live through his power, through his divine unseen attributes through his patience through his kindness all unseen but yet like it says in hebrews 5 at the end of hebrews 5 they have trained their senses to discern good from evil which is the same as discerning god from adam or the spirit the human nature in the divine nature, you can train your senses to to see the manifestations of God. That's why it says, by this the love of God was manifest in us. Verse 12, no one has beheld God at any time. If we love one another, God, what? Abides in his love God abides in us, and his love is shown in us, or perfected in us. By this we know that we abide in God, and God abides in us because he's given the Spirit, the invisible Spirit. And you can see the actions of the invisible Spirit, and you know that you're watching the invisible Spirit, you're seeing him, through those actions. It, it's really the, the idea of seeing him is, when it comes down to it, it's the basic idea of discerning him. You discern that that is the spirit of God speaking through somebody when you get a good edifying word, when you feel condemned or you don't feel good about yourself after speaking to somebody, you know that you spoke to the the nature of Adam, which is invisible, and there's a sense in which you can see it. That's a good way to put it. It's invisible, but there's a sense in which you can say you see it. And this Bible uses that sense in which you can see it over and over and over in the epistles. The whole New Testament, the letters, from the Acts to Revelation is predicated on the idea 
of being able to see the invisible God through the actions of a person. When we love one another, it's God loving each other through us. If I'm loving you, then you can say, I saw I, God. I saw God. I used to apologize to my wife all the time for, for things I said, and she would say this one statement over and over and over again. And it took me like three years before I actually got a hold of what she was saying. But I'd say, lately, I'm sorry for what I said to you. I apologize. I want to take it back if I can, but I'm just sorry that I said that. And she'd say, it's okay. They were just your words. <laughs> it finally dawned on me that she was saying, I know I wasn't talking to God then. I was talking to you. You're trying to be helpful. You're trying to be a good husband, but you're failing. And I know that. They're just your words. See, our words come back void. The Spirit of God speaks through us, and those words don't come back void. She didn't want to hear from Adam. Didn't want to hear from Adam. You know, Steve, sometimes, like he says, we... Therefore, since these are seasons of our life that we get to see him manifest, he says, therefore, we scope upon what is unseen. I can honestly say that a lot of times it was after the trial went through that I actually saw that it was God all the time. There's a few places in the Old Testament where they woke up and they said, Oh my gosh, God was in this place and I didn't know it. It hadn't dawned on them that he was there all along. Mm -hmm. And at some point in our life, it's going to dawn on us that he was there all the time. We just didn't know it. The old footprints in the mm -hmm. <laughs> sand portrait mm -hmm. will come and uh, have meaning to it. But I just, I've always looked at that verse that we'd look upon what is unseen, but I never really had much understanding of it uh, in, in terms of the eternal God manifesting himself. It, it just was one of those things that didn't make sense. You know, how do you see something that you can't see? But a manifestation is seeing God's invisible attributes. And that's awesome. And when we see his invisible attributes, we should give glory and credit to God, that is what the apostles did. They healed the person and said, it wasn't us who healed the person. It wasn't our piety. It was the faithfulness of Christ in us who healed this person. I think that's in Acts 3. It is in Acts 3, yeah. Over and over, you see the apostles practicing the truth. They constantly say, like Paul said, by the grace of God, I am what I am, and this grace towards me was not in vain, for I labored harder than all the rest. And then what does he say? But it wasn't me laboring. It was the grace of God in me laboring. See, he gives credit to the Spirit. They always give credit to the Spirit for the good that is being done through them. And 
we need to give credit to the Spirit because that's how you store up treasures in heaven. You remember Jesus saying, oh, that guy truly has his reward now. The pat on the back was their reward. But to store up a treasure in heaven, you have to give the credit to God, which means you have to see God doing it which means you have to understand about the doctrine of God manifesting himself through you where two or three together, together, I'm in their midst. What do you think that means? Learn about this concept of ever since you've been born again, the spirit of Jesus will do things through you. Everything that God has planned for him to do the Spirit of Jesus will do through you. Isn't that what Paul said in Philippians? He said, I won't be put to shame because of your prayers and a supply of the Spirit of Jesus. A supply of the Spirit of Jesus. What in the world do you think he's talking about? He's talking about a supply of the Spirit of Jesus that can do for you what you can't do for yourself. The Spirit of Jesus, Christ in you, the hope of glory. On and on it goes, talking about how it has to be done by the Spirit. That's why it says, rejoice in the Lord, not in your own human effort. That, that phrase, in the Lord, in the Spirit, in Jesus, in Christ, in God, those all mean not in your human effort, but in the power of God manifesting himself through you to make you righteous throughout the day. Awesome. <laughs> you know, I was just thinking how Jesus, when he healed people, how the Pharisees looked at things. They would say, the blind man, and they said, who sinned, this person, this man, or his parents, that he should be born blind? And Jesus said, neither. It's so that the glory of God can be manifest in your sight today. They were looking upon something unseen, and they were taking a guy that couldn't see so they could see something unseen, the power of God to restore this guy's not restore, give him eyesight for the very first time. Ah, Bill, you just made me remember. Do you remember in John chapter 7 where Jesus says, do not judge according to appearance, but make a righteous <laughs> judgment? I do. A righteous judgment is judging the fruit that they bear. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, you see, as the new man, as the spirit, Jesus is saying, you judge according to appearance, how this guy appears to be acting and everything, that he's a, a bad guy or something. He's saying, no, judge whether the tree is good or bad, whether it's a good sheep or a bad sheep, meaning judge that the person is manifesting either the flesh or the spirit. Yeah, That's what Jesus was meaning all along. And you can see it in John chapter 8 where John, Jesus is judging these Pharisees and saying, I know that Abraham's your father, but 
if Abraham was your father, you would not be giving me a hard time. I can tell that your father is the devil because he's not, you're not receiving my words. It, that's judging inwardly. You remember Jesus say, Peter, get behind me, Satan. He was judging according to the manifestation of either the spirit or the flesh. And we are told to judge that way. We're not supposed to judge whether a person is going to heaven or hell. We are told specifically not to judge that way. Jesus said, I didn't come to condemn the world but or judge the world. I came to save the world. He meant judge the world as in being condemned as a bad person. Right. He, his judgment was discerning the source of the activity. Like the Pharisees, he did say, I know your father, Abraham is your father, but you're manifesting the works of the devil. The, the devil. He's fathered those, the father of all lies. He's fathered that in you. Yes, thank you, Bill, for making that clear. I was trying to say, you have to realize that we are not telling stories or anything. We are speaking about biblical concepts and they're hard to put into words. It's not easy. We're actually expressing spiritual thoughts in spiritual word. It is not the easiest thing in the world. So you could say that when we articulate clearly, it's the spirit manifesting. That's it. That's it. Or you could say, oh, those were just your words. And you can say that too. Yes. That's if you're beginning to understand what the new covenant is about, that I will put my spirit in you and cause you to walk in my statutes or cause you to live an exemplary Christian life. I'll put my spirit in you and cause you to do that. Romans 8, 4, all the requirements of the law will be fully met by us who do not walk according to human effort, but walk according to the Spirit's power. That's the new covenant. He put the Spirit within us. That's what it means to be born again. The Spirit of Christ is in us to do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Amen. And with that thought, I think we should pray. Do you want Amen. me to pray? Yeah, could you? Yes. Father God, please allow us to see this New Testament concept that has been brought out and revealed in these epistles that Paul was telling us that God causes the light to shine in our darkened hearts so that we can see that the all-surpassing power or excellency is of God and not of us. Over and over and over again, you are expressing the same thought. Father, allow people to grasp what you're saying or what your book is saying, because that's all we do is point the scriptures. Your book does the talking for itself, and it's telling us like, 1 John 2.27, it says that you have the anointing. You need not that a man teach you, but the anointing will 
guide you into all truth. And as it is real and not counterfeit, it teaches you to abide in him. Abide in God's power. Abide in Christ in you, the hope of glory. Abide in this grace of God that makes you labor harder than all the rest. But it's not you laboring. It is the grace of God in you. Allow everybody to catch a hold and take root in this idea because it is a new covenant idea. It is the cornerstone idea of the new covenant. Everything else in the epistles is built upon this idea. You can't do it, so the power of God within you will do it for you. And you can see, when it's doing it for you, you can see it happening. It, you can see God working. And that's what I want you to point out to everybody, Father, just that these scriptures are real and they're true and it leads to a better way of life. So do what only you can do, Father. Bless everybody with a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that they can know you better, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you guys. Yes, good night. We love you.